3: What's up, everybody? This is Charles Woodson, man, and you are listening to the Huddle and Flow podcast.
4: And we are back for another edition of the Huddle and Flow podcast. I am Steve Weich with my dude, Jim Trotter. We are two-thirds of the Howard University mob. Our producer, Thomas Warren, on the ones and the twos, he completes the puzzle. Remember, the Huddle Flow podcast is brought to you by Intuit, the proud makers of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint. And Jim, it looks like Indomitian Sioux continues to win at football contract life as he just signed another one-year deal, $9 million, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This this, this guy, I mean, he he won at the beginning, and now he's winning at the end when it comes to getting paid.
3: Among non-quarterbacks, Steve, this is the the contract guru, man. He has gotten paid every step of the way. He was fortunate enough to get in before a rookie way scale came in. He had a rookie contract that was structured in such a way that he was going to get paid again in that second contract if he performed, which he did. And now he's still getting paid on the back end of this thing while winning Super Bowls. So props to him, man. He's, He's done it the right way in terms of making his money and taking care of it.
4: The other thing with him
3: that's real interesting, I'll say this too, Steve. When you talk to people around him, they think his second career in terms of when he leaves football is going to be even better than what it was in football, both from a production standpoint and from a financial standpoint. So as you say, and Dominican Sue is winning on all levels.
4: And Jim, as you know, if you talk to him, he's one of the most brilliant guys mm-hmm. in the NFL. I mean, he is he is like a scholar every time you talk to him. I know he's got the surly image and everything like that, but he is a real one. I mean, I I really enjoy our conversations. And speaking of like offseason moves and things like that, we will be joined. Very soon by Bills general manager, Brandon Bean. Jim, the Bills have made some subtle some subtle moves, but some good ones. I mean, getting Emmanuel Sanders, they get a backup in Mitch Trubisky. I mean, can Brian Dayball give him a second shot at life, kind of like we saw him get the bump out of Josh Allen in year three? So that'll be interesting. So we'll talk to Brandon about those moves too. is, is the AFC East, they're still the team to beat despite the spending spree by the New England Patriots.
3: Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I mean, New England has done some things that – Obviously put them right back in the mix. But for me, as we all know, it's a quarterback driven league and it comes down to the quarterback. And if you're asking me who I have more faith in, Josh Allen or Cam Newton at this point, hands down, I have more faith in Josh Allen and what the Bills have done. So that's why I continue to say I believe Buffalo is still the front runner in the AFC East. But that division is going to beat up on each other as we go forward. You know, the Dolphins are on the come. We know New England's going to be um, coming back from this. I mean, hell, they won seven games last year with everything that went on, which, you know, some might say it was one of Bill's better coaching jobs to get to seven wins. So um, New York, we're going to see what moves they make as we go forward here in terms of acquiring personnel. Uh, Are they going to move Sam Darnold, acquire draft picks, try and build that way? We don't know yet, but you have to believe Robert Sala is going to have that team, you know, playing the right way. And being competitive. So I think the AFC is going AFC East is going to be a lot of fun this year.
4: Yeah, the draft officially starts to pick number two to see who's yes. going to be picking at number two and what the Jets could absolutely be doing. Well, on that note, Jim, since we're on that roll, let's go ahead and bring in Brandon Bean, who's joining us from the Pro Day Tour. He's going out looking to find and to excavate talent to help the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> All right, Jim. Now it's time for us to be joined by our special guest, Bills General Manager Brandon Bean. Brandon, thanks so much for joining us here on the Huddle and Flow Podcast.
2: Steve, appreciate you and Jim having me on. Looking uh, looking forward to it. Appreciate you
3: being here.
4: Yeah, we, we really appreciate your fitness in between all these pro days. We know you're on the uh, on the, on the on the tour right now. But you know, but before we get started, you know, talking about the evaluation process and some of these prospects, Jim and I wanted to talk to you about a rule that you and the Bills are proposing to go to the competition committee and the owners next week at the league meeting, which is to basically slow down the interview process for head coaches. Um, could you kind of explain what you're proposing and why?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're really you know, excited about this, you know, who knows if it's going to get through, but we, we do think there's a lot of support. What we're trying to do is just, you know, there, there seems to be a rush as soon as the season's over that last games played, you know, you got black Monday and, and just, you know, six, seven coaches are fired. And it's, it's one of those things where there seems to be a rush to go. I got to go get this guy. And, and what we're trying to do is slow the process down. I've been on several zooms that Troy Vincent, Rod Graves and, and several others have, have done. And one of them struck a chord that, that Tony Dungy said, he said, it's really about just, taking your time. And and we just want to make sure every candidate that's a viable candidate gets a chance to show his worth and and not rush the process. And so to me, what we're proposing is there's no interviews until after the championship games. So there's three weeks, um, you can kind of get your ducks in a row. If you're an owner, GM, president, whoever's doing the hiring, you can, you know, just kind of check out each prospect. And then there's no hiring anyone until after the Super Bowl. And, and if you think about the last couple of years, uh, whether it's Robert Sala, the great year, the 49ers had a year ago, but they went all the way to the Super Bowl. He's at the Jets now, but I would bet he would have got hired a year ago. And, and look at, at the coordinators on Tampa, you know, Todd Bowles, what a great job that, that he and his staff did, uh, not only in the, in the Super Bowl, but against Green Bay Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers to get there. And Byron Leftwich and, and Eric Bieniemy for two years in a row has been in the Super Bowl and, and on our staff, uh, Brian Dable, Leslie Frazier, just we just feel like some of these candidates that are really good and really qualified, they're, they're being overlooked because teams get impatient and, and they want to rush the process. They're scared that they're going to miss out on the right guy and, and some of maybe the better candidates who are, you know, going into the postseason. Uh, you know, further whether it's the championship game or the Super Bowl are getting overlooked. So we're just trying to slow that process down and, and make sure the best candidates are getting the right
3: opportunity. You know, um, Brandon, I would argue this playing devil's advocate with you that many teams already know who they're going to hire before they ever even have that first interview. And um, so how is this going to stop that from happening? Because, you know, even this year, I think if you look at at all of the hires, many of them were predicted before the process ever even got going. Guys were linked to certain jobs. So how do you stop that from, because every GM, I assume, as this is what I've been told by GMs, that they are, their owner expects them to have a list of potential head coaching candidates if ever a change were to be made suddenly, and so those GMs already know before the process even begins who it is that they want to talk to. So how do you get past that?
2: Well, I think if you slow it down, if you're if you if you're not allowed to hire, and you're right, that, that's, that legitimately does happen. I'm sure every team's got a list and, and they're checking it off. But look at how um, I read how Brad, Brad Holmes got hired at Detroit is – they saw one of, you know, we do these right. video interviews when you're coming up. I, I did one uh, when I was the assistant GM in Carolina. And I think, you know, and some of the coaching prospects are doing it, that the Lions saw him on this video interview right. and said, man, we didn't even have, they didn't even have him on the list. I don't even know if they knew who Brad was. And so that triggered them. A, we got to interview this guy. And so what I'm hoping is that there's, there's more things like that, whether it's video interviews, more ways for, For owners, presidents, whoever's doing the hiring to get a look for three weeks at all these guys. Maybe they're not on your list, but let me watch a 20, 30 minute segment, uh, you know, of Jim Trotter here and and let him let me let me hear what he says. Let me hear what what's what he's passionate about and just how he communicates. And then maybe maybe you get to the after the championship game and you do. Let's just say you do 10 zooms. You've narrowed your list instead of three or four, because I do think you're right. Every team's got three or four on a list. Let me do 10, 12 zooms, you know, that week, and then I can, I still have another week, and then I can go as soon as the, um, you know, the, prior to the Super Bowl, I can go in person with maybe three or four. Just slow the process down. I think it just allows, you know, I think there's just such a rush to I've got to hurry up and name a head coach and make sure I win the press conference and I get the guy that everybody's saying needs to be hired. And, again, there's nothing's flawless. It doesn't mean, to your point, Jim, that, that there won't be a coach that we hear in the middle of December that he's the targeted coach for Team X and he ends up being there. But maybe one or two guys that wouldn't have got an opportunity will if a team will, will take the you know the methodical approach that we're trying to set up here.
3: Can I can I um, make one more point here? What I believe part of the issue is as well is that there's not diversity at the table when the hires are being made. And that means from a GM standpoint. Now, we were fortunate this year that two were hired or three were hired. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, at the end of the day, when that owner has to make his, his or her decision, who is that last person in his or her ear? that says maybe we need to consider this person. I wonder how much do you think that that is a factor in terms of the slow movement and the lack of diversity that we've seen in the, in the hiring process?
2: Yeah, I, I do think that's real. And I think the more diversity that we add, and, and to your point, it, it didn't happen as much with the head coaches this year, but uh, the needle did get moved You know, from the GM standpoint. And those are some very good hires that those teams made. And it's, it's not going to be fixed overnight, but to me, what, what we've been doing hasn't been working, the, you know, the, the process now. And so to me, even if if we're not 100% sold on it, why don't we try it for a couple of years and compare it to the old way? And maybe it's not the final answer, but maybe it's close to the final answer. And maybe we do see more minorities because to me personally, like I go back to Todd Bowles, like if the if no one could hire a coach before that Super Bowl, like, how does Todd Bowles not get a job? Right. What he did against um, Aaron Rodgers, MVP, and Patrick Mahomes, the previous year's MVP. Like, who is not hiring him? And this guy has been in the seat and was just – he was dealt, you know, a tough set of cards in New York. He's well-respected around this league. I just think Tampa won too many games and teams didn't want to wait. Well.
4: Tell me, what about the, you know, I know initially, I think in your proposal, you had also included general managers yep. um, in that process. You are going to tweak that to to kind of remove the general managers from that post-championship game interview suggestion, correct?
2: Yeah, so some of the feedback we got was that, you know, some of the owners may have a hard time because they may want to hire a GM to be involved in, in the head coach search. So they would like to do that. And and to, to the point that I heard is, you know, guys who are, are assistant GM or director of scouting, whatever role they're interviewing for, they're not impacting a playoff game, which which is the other part of this is you've got coaches that are distracted. They're trying to go win a playoff game, yet they're interviewing for the job of their life, the, the dream of their life in a, in a whim. I got to prepare all week long. I mean, I, I know that with just in our building, Leslie Frazier trying to get ready for the Houston Texans interview, Brian Dable trying to get ready for the Chargers, the Jets, um, you know, maybe one other. I think he had three. But just allow these people to also finish the season and collect their their breath and then prepare for this interview. But so we're going to take the GM off. It's, it's really going to be, Steve, for head coaches um, and coordinators, because now you can you can interview for coordinators. And and they can't be blocked. So all of those will wait in this proposal until no interviews until after the championship games and no hires until the Monday after the Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with your point that what's 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 being done now isn't working. So why not try something new? And I also go back. You mentioned Tony Dungy. I go back to what Tony said that owners simply don't know how to hire head coaches. You know, football is not their area of expertise, and, and too many of them get focused on winning the press conference in, instead of winning games, and the quality people end up being overlooked because of that. So Sean Payton made this argument earlier on, on the podcast that we should do exactly what you're saying, and I do think among coaches there is some support for that, so it will be interesting to see what owners think. Um but I'm, I'm firmly behind you. What's what, what we're doing isn't working, so why not try something new? And maybe there's something in there that gets us a step closer to a, a positive solution.
2: Yeah, and listen, maybe, as I said, maybe someone has a tweak off of this that will work. But again, I, I'm with you, Jim. I just don't think what we've been doing has been working. And so what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting
4: right. results. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and look, guys, I also think the trickle down, I mean, if, if you slow it down, then these potential head coaches now, especially the ones who aren't in the playoffs, they've got time to maybe look among the college ranks or other ranks to look at guys who they want to put on their staff instead of the cronyism that makes you kind of, okay, I'm getting hired in, in two days. I've got to go ahead and get these first guys who are on my depth chart in my, in my, in my binder right here to get them secured. If you slow it down, again, that might give some other guys – some opportunities hey Brandon let's 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 change gears a little bit because we know you're on the the pro day circuit and, and all the evaluation but how how is it this year now as opposed to last year when you couldn't get the bird's eye view and get your hands on these guys when now you're getting into the pro days and getting able to see them and talk to them in person
2: yeah it's nice to be able to uh get off of zooms which which we're all used to now and we're on now but Uh, it's nice to get back out in these pro days and, and listen, I'm at Florida state today and and their head coach, they got, they got a new head coach, Mike Norville, just to be able to go over and and have a one-off conversation with him about some of the players that are are working out here today. And, and it's just, it helps our scouts It, it helps the process, you know, especially if you have not seen these, these players up close, just how they're built. That's, that's the importance of the combine. You see them walk across the stage, your body type them, uh, you get all the measurements, you get to see them move around at that weight, whatever it is, because some of these guys are bulking up to get stronger, but maybe they run a slower time, or some guys are trimming down to run a fast forward 40, but that's really not their 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 real weight. So it kind of gives you a feel of all that. And and again, it's uh, we gets us out of the Zoom world and to to be in person with some of these with these players and prospects or their coaches and staff. It just it really helps you answer where you've got them on your draft board, you know, as we close into the draft next month.
3: Brandon, I'm curious that when we talk to general managers about their philosophy of team building, what, if I could ask you to sum up yours in a sentence or two, what is your philosophy when it comes to team building?
2: You know, it's, it truly is draft develop and resign, which, which I think you saw we did this year with, with Matt Milano, Trey White, Deion Dawkins uh, and then a couple of guys that we had signed here that we re-signed were John Feliciano, Daryl Williams, Levi Wallace. Um, So we've tried to do that. It does take some time early here, early in my process. We didn't have the draft, uh, the draft depth. So we had to fill in some holes in free agency. So each year you're still going to use free agency to fill in some gaps. And the goal, Jim, in my mind is to go to April and not have glaring holes when you get, when you get to the draft where you have to truly draft for need. It doesn't mean you don't fill some spots for need, but you know, this first couple of players, you want to just draft the best player that you can and not worry about what position he is because over time, good players are going to help you be a good team, you know, as you move in. And, and again, injuries happen. Okay. Teams, you may draft a guy in the second round you may draft a linebacker and people say, well, you already got Matt Milano. Why, why do you want to do that? Well, You never know. Injuries happen. Things change all the time. So that's kind of that's longer than a sentence, Jim. But uh, that's kind of my philosophy.
3: No, but it's so smart. I I think when you get to a draft and you're you're you force yourself to draft for need, that's where you get into trouble. And teams don't always trust their draft board. So it makes perfect sense what you're saying here. And going through that draft process, I'm curious about I want to go back to the to the draft with um, with Josh Allen. Yeah. And and there were a lot of folks who didn't believe as strongly in him as you did. Mm-hmm. What did you see back then that led you to believe he was going to become the player that we see today?
2: Yeah, Jim, uh, I think the thing with Josh, you know, when we so we watch these guys all fall and you watch them on tape, but you don't know. Them. And so you go to the senior bowl and there we got to meet Josh uh, Baker. And uh, Mason Rudolph were probably three of the the bigger prospects at the Senior Bowl. And then – so that was the first time meeting him. And then we went and worked out these quarterbacks, you know, in private. And the one thing that I saw about Josh was this guy's driven. He he works – he's going to work extremely hard. He's raw. He's got a lot of things that that he needs to develop in his game. But every person you ask, whether it was the head coach, whether it was teammates, Mm -hmm. uh, even back to his high school, is – this kid is driven. Uh, he, he plays with a refuse-to-lose attitude. Really, really smart. I mean, he he tested in so many of the things that Brian Dayball put together for him in, in our private setting with each of these quarterbacks. We tried to give them a similar just to be able to compare apples to apples because they play in different conferences, different levels of play. So you're trying to put them on the same, uh, you know, measuring s- sticks. And the thing that Josh did was he just – with, out with flying colors was really smart on the fly, and you know his, his pro day he he made you know great throws in the private you know he threw the ball well again we we felt that he had a lot of things that we liked and he had, the things that he wasn't doing well we thought he would have the drive and and he's really shown that and um, he he works every off season with Jordan Palmer you know just to kind of critique and 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 clean up some of the areas and this year. He's made a jump each year. This past year was probably
3: his biggest jump yet. Oh, it was a huge jump. <laughs> it was a size jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like he was on a trampoline. He just took off, man. And, he's and I'm great, assuming he's a great kid. I, I'm assuming part of that has to do with Stefan Diggs showing up. And can you take our listeners behind the scenes about the trade for Stefan? People think those things happen overnight. When did you first what, – what's the process there in terms of where you first start thinking about that, identify a player, and then make a deal like that happen? How long does it take?
0: Yeah,
2: you know, they vary. But with Stephon, uh, it really started, Jim, in the middle of the nineteen season. So going into 19, uh, which was Josh's second year, we added Cole Beasley and John Brown, just trying to give him some weapons. We tried to fix the offensive line, which was not very good, Josh's rookie year. Mid-season – we just felt like, man, we're still missing another playmaker. Uh, people were starting to figure out how to take John Brown away and maybe Cole a little bit. We still need someone else on the outside. And so some guys we looked at were uh, Steph, Emmanuel Sanders, who we just signed, and Mohammed Sanu. Those were probably three of the main ones. And none of the trade options worked out. Sanu went to New England. Um, Elway traded Sanders to the NFC to San Francisco. And then, Sam, or then Minnesota told us, hey, and they were in a playoff, you know, pushed themselves, like, we're not we're not letting Steph go. But we did a lot of recon on Steph at that time because he'd had some moments where maybe things didn't seem they were meshing well between him, him and the team. And so we did the recon just in case they were willing to move him. Fast forward to the first day of the negotiating period last year, and um, honestly, Steph <laughs> put out a tweet. You know, something to, to the effect of looking for new beginnings, and so that just said, you know what? Let's just check back and make sure Minnesota is still in that, like we're not trade step mode. And and at that point, you could tell the tone was different. They weren't. They were clear that we are not shopping him. We're not. He's not on the block, but we will listen if you make it worth our while. And that started around four four thirty that day, and by about nine thirty nine forty five that night, he was a Buffalo Bill.
4: Good okay, Jim, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Who was your Twitter police? Was it you, or do you have like?
2: <laughs> I don't have social media for good reason. Uh, but, uh, no, uh, one of the one of the scouts um, informed Joe Shane, my assistant GM. I don't know if Joe Joe's up on all that Twitter stuff. Way better than I am, but I think one of the guys told Joe that uh, what Steph had put out or forwarded him the the tweet, and so Joe just said, uh, "Hey, should we look into this?" I said, "Call him and check it out." and uh, spoke to George Payton, who's now in Denver. And so uh, George and I and Rick uh, worked the deal out, you know, like I said, later that day. When I woke up that day, I had no idea uh, when I would lay my head down that night that Steph Diggs would be a bill, but I uh, uh, was very excited to add him and, and what a great addition he, he was for us this year. Not only as a player, but uh, the guys really gravitate to him. This guy practices really hard, just raise raise the intensity uh of our team in practice which 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 makes games even easier
4: so what does emmanuel sanders bring because you look at your core yeah cole beasley's a veteran but they're still young i mean gabe davis even steph you know some of the players what is what does emmanuel bring
2: you know he he is a competitive dog i mean that's the first thing he sat in my office the other night and i said describe yourself. Cause I, I want to tell you what I see. And he said, hopefully you see a dog. And I said, I see a dog. And uh, we, we laughed because he knew that that I had tried to trade for him a couple of years ago and was, I'd actually been talking to his agent before we traded last year because, you know, he was leaving San Fran. And uh, before he signed with new Orleans, I was talking to Todd France uh, about trying to get Sanders now. And then, um, the opportunity to go get Steph, uh, show, you know, presented itself. And that was a sure thing trading for him versus recruiting Emmanuel to come sign with us versus some of the competition. So we laughed about it because, uh, two of the guys I was trying to trade for in 19, uh, now i got them both and, and paired them up with Cole. So funny how it all works out in the end.
3: What well, Brandon, I'm curious from your standpoint, what it's like now for, since you got there in 17, you guys have been a hunter. You've been pursuing New England in that division, and now you're the top dog. You're the hunted. What is the mindset like, and and how do you how do you prepare guys for now being the hunted instead of the hunter?
2: Yeah, it's it, it definitely is a different mindset. You, you want to be in this seat. Uh, obviously, New England. We've all been hunting New England. The whole league's been hunting New England. Uh, right. The AFC for sure, the AFC East. But um, you want to be in this position, Jim. Uh, it it is a different mindset and you have to bring your best and and every year is a new year. And that's kind of what we said after we lost to Kansas city, the next day, you you know, you're kind of down and, you know, we just talked to the team of, Hey, it was a heck of a year, but we got to have a heck of an off season because um, everyone is going to look at us as the standard of the AFC East and and one of the final four teams. And so you're, you're going to be a measuring stick and there's no weeks off. Not that there are, but, uh, teams are going to try to bring their A game because coaches are going to say, "Hey, this team was in the AFC Championship game a year ago. This, you know, this week we're going to find out really how good we are." So uh, it'll be a tough, you know, task for for Sean McDermott and and Leslie Frazier and Brian Dable and 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 Heath Farwell, our coordinators, to to lead each group. But uh, we're excited about where we're at and where we're heading.
4: Brad, speaking of New England. What about yeah. the way that they have uh, been on, been on like Amazon all off season, like chopping, <laughs> chopping, 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 you know, doing that COVID splurge. Yeah.
2: yeah, um, You know, out of character for those guys, but some really good moves. Um, you know, I know coach Belichick has not been a big free agency spender and and really hasn't had to, you know, him and Tom Brady were uh, a formidable duo, uh, probably the best in history when you talk coach and quarterback. So um, I just think, they decided that they needed to, to make some adjustments to their roster. And the first thing that stands out is, um, obviously, you bring Cam back year two. Cam's going to be better. I do think the COVID seemed to bother him longer than people probably uh, gave him credit for. And I know Cam, obviously, very well. And, and he is a heck of a competitor. He's, he's going to come back ferocious this year. And, and then you, you, t- you talk about the two tight ends, uh, Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Uh, two great prospects. We would, you know, we really like those guys uh, for us too, but where we were with, with our cap, you know, they were, they were out of our price range. And to me, it looks like they would, they're trying to go back to a little bit uh, with Gronk and, and Hernandez and and how good they were in that 12 personnel package.
3: Brandon, do you guys do general managers try and, and build versus, a team in the division, say, in New England who's been a top dog, or do you just build based on your philosophy of the systems you want to run and becoming the best team that you can?
2: I think you first – it's a great question. I think you first build it for what you want to be. You don't want to try to build it just to play somebody else, and it's really not to, to, to how you want to be, whether you want to be physical, whether you want to be fast, whether you want to be big up front, whether you want to be athletic, just – but beyond that, there are some times where maybe you're, you're adding a player here or there to combat this team. Is just we've struggled stopping this. This player will help us do that. And um, i tell you a player that I saw when I was a, a young guy coming up in Carolina that uh, we drafted when, when John Fox and Marty Herney were running it was Thomas Davis. We drafted Thomas to stop Mike Vick. We were struggling having the speed on the field at the linebacker position to track him down. And that was, that was the impetus for that pick in, I think 2005 when, when we took him was Mike Vick was the new craze of the league in 2004 and was, he was shredding us. And, um, I knew that was the big conversation the whole off season is how do we stop? We got a pretty good team. Um, but how do we stop Mike Vick? So it, there are times where you, where you do say, man, this player will help us combat what, you know, what one of our division foes is doing because at the end of the day, that's what you got to do. You, each year you've got to win your division. That's certain. You can talk about playoffs, Super Bowl. You, hand, you get a home game and an automatic playoff spot if you're the best of those four teams, and, and that's where our focus is again as we restart. It's not on the championship game or Super Bowl. It's winning the AFC East.
4: Man, throwback to the Thomas Davis conversation, because I remember that. I mean, you had to be tired of hearing about the Michael Vick Superman stuff because Thomas, remember he was a safety at Georgia, and, yep. you, and you guys sank him when you guys when you guys brought him in.
2: Yeah, no, he's uh, his I'll never forget his cut up tape, you know, 25 30 plays of just let's just look at what this guy can do and from Georgia. I mean, we would pull it up some years later. It's fun to watch. I mean, Thomas was just coming from that safety and um, just destroying guys and you're just like, "Man, the physical nature, the speed at which he plays. We just we just didn't have that." And uh, once he it was a it was a position change, you know, you know, and more guys do it now. You know, Matt Milano was a safety that uh, at BC that's converted to a linebacker, but uh, that didn't happen a lot back in in the mid two thousands. Um, and so to add Thomas and look at look at the career he had. You know, three torn ACLs and the guy still kept playing. I mean, uh, texted with him recently as he did the one day contract with Carolina. What a what an awesome dude and and a great career, great
3: father, great man. I'm sure you guys know him, but uh, uh, they don't get much better than TD. You know, Brandon, last week, they announced those new TV deals. From a GM standpoint, I'm sure you've got agents who are saying, uh, we're going to slow play these contract negotiations <laughs> now. Wait for these deals to kick in. W- against that backdrop now, what can we expect with Josh Allen in terms of extension for him? Do you have a timeline? and, and Or are they trying to slow play it? Yeah, oh, you know.
2: Wait for this. Oh, no, no doubt. Well, I said I had to do a. a- uh, a little media deal last week after free agency. And I, I, my first line, they asked him about Josh. I said, Oh, we've already agreed to a nice hometown discount. And <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. happened, but uh, his agents would probably be like, hell no. Uh, so <laughs> no. It's uh it's one of those things. We're, we're really proud of Josh and, and we'll get through the draft. And then, you know, probably sometime in the late spring to summer, we'll get those conversations going um, who knows where they'll go? And it's got to be fair for them, fair for us. And and I go back to when, again, uh, my experience with, with Cam, the first year we tried to re-sign Cam was after uh, maybe 2013, I think. The year before we did him, um, we, we had tried really hard to get him done, and, and we couldn't get him extended. And it just was one of those things where – they where they were, we were a little uncomfortable and where we were, they were a little uncomfortable. So we just, we paused it and we said, all right, let's let cam play another year. So he played 2014. And then going into his MVP year, um, we got him done. I'm glad we got him done then because it would have been crazy yeah. <laughs> that MVP season. So, it's, you know, it's got to work for both sides. It's, it's a deal that will be important for, for Josh, obviously, but for, for us, because you got to plan everything around that quarterback deal going forward because it's, it's, it's going to be such a big number. And, again, I'd love to say we'll, we'll definitely get it done this offseason, but uh, we'll, we're going to try, and we'll just have to see,
3: see where it works, you know, if it works itself out. What do you take from or is there anything to take from the situations we saw, for instance, with Kirk Cousins and then with Dak Prescott in terms of deciding that they're going to bet on themselves and play on a franchise tag? Um, from a management standpoint, how important is it to avoid that, particularly when we're talking about the quarterback position and what those dollars are?
2: yeah you you would like to and and I assume those teams tried as well. Obviously, I'm not privy to what the offers were and 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 what the structure sometimes it's more about structure than money. Um, and so I don't know what held those deals up, but uh, you it helps you for your planning is the sooner you can get that you know that contract done so um again i hope that we can get him done if not this year next year you don't want to get into the franchise and and all that stuff it's a tool that you use if you have to um, to keep a great player but at the end of the day we want josh here for the long term we want him to be happy and and obviously we want it to be a deal that that we can still put talented players around him because Josh's competitor, he's not he's not wired for us just to pay him and then not be able to put stuff around him. So we'll try and find that deal that that works for for him and
3: works for us.
4: All right, Brandon, yeah, we
3: know- that, that sounded like that negotiating line there.
4: You gotta put some, <laughs> hey, you gotta hey, put some old, talent man. around it. Hey, Jim, all, all it is, all we know is everyone's just like, okay, nice, nice job, Brandon. But we do know the spike that's going up in that cap in 2022 and 2023. <laughs> hey, you can help suppress the market, not, not improve it. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. No, that, that happened this year. Hey, Brandon, we know you got to get out. I got I got two real quick ones here for you, and you know, and this is. Coming off of the COVID year and just evaluating not just what you see on film but the player and, and I know again you haven't had your hands on these guys as much. But we saw what happened with Isaiah Wilson, right, the tackle from Tennessee, who just got let go in, in, in Miami. Is it tougher to kind of get that insight on a player coming off a year we just had again, where you have not had as much access around these guys to kind of figure out maybe what could be behind the scenes with a guy than maybe normal?
2: Yeah, you, you do have to it's the access has been obviously much less to strength coach, trainers, position coaches, whoever, you know, on, on a certain staff. So, um, you know, tracking these people down and, and one, whether it's phone, Zoom, FaceTime, whatever it is, uh, it's just it's the onus is still on, on our staff, whether it's the scouts, myself, uh, whoever coaches on our staff to to find out you know who these people are. We can watch the film all day long. But once we draft this player, how are they going to fit in Buffalo? Do they have the work ethic? Are they going to be great teammates? Um, what are their smarts like? All these things we can't necessarily tell from the film. That's our job from now until you know April 29th or 30th, whenever this draft gets here.
4: Brandon has this great diet. Him and I, a little less than a year ago, we were talking about our COVID <laughs> munchie, our go-to. Uh, hey, Brandon, Jim's lost like 15 pounds. He is like the Peloton king right now. No, like, he is 25.
2: Lost. Oh, 25
4: man. pounds. He is 25. like doing it, right?
2: That's impressive. All right,
4: so I, I've, I've been kind of up and down, but I'm still, you know, I'm still hanging around my 215, my target weight. Are you still killing the monster mix, Jim? Mean, that's like the peanuts, the trail mix, and the m ms The MMs are the bad part, because that is so good, man. I've had to stay away.
2: So I did during this year. Uh, my my son got into it, too, so my wife uh, was buying <laughs> for both of us, and I kept telling her stop, this is killing me. But uh, we started this uh, – inner office, uh, weight loss, biggest loser two weeks ago. And the road <laughs> is tough to do that on, but, uh, we started it. So, uh, I'm down a few, but I got a ways to go. We turned in a nice little competition. Basically we have from now until the draft, we paired each other up with a big guy and a small guy. And, uh, it'll be fun to see, uh, where everybody ends up here by the end
4: of April. Okay. wait look there. Right. now, real quick. Were you paired with a big guy or a small guy? Cause now we know where <laughs> you stand by your hands.
2: Uh, they crushed me that I should have been one of the big guys, but luckily um, I still slightly <laughs> fell in the small guy category, <laughs> just like that much, though.
4: That's awesome. Who's your guy? Who's your partner?
2: So I got one of our equipment guys. Uh, his nickname is uh, He's He's Scobes is up there. He's in the 250. So I told him, I went down a couple of times and some of the guys, they knew how competitive I was. They put some snacks on his desk when they knew I was coming down there. And they said, hey, <laughs> hey, look at Scopes, what he's doing over there. And I went over there and I said, "Scopes, no beer, no snacks. You got <laughs> seven, eight weeks. Like, if you like working down here, you better start losing some weight because I want to win this thing.
3: Oh, that's funny. Uh, now, I'm going to leave you on this, Brandon. One question. The last few GMs we've talked to, their route to their position um, was sort of off the beaten path, if you will. Um, Terry Fontenot was in the marketing department for the Saints. Brandon Holmes was in the PR department for the Atlanta Hawks to start with. And you started out uh, in the communications department as well. So is that now the pipeline to become a GM in the NFL now? You got to go one of these (laughs) offbeat routes to get there?
2: Uh, I'm not saying go my path. It's very very, very non-traditional uh, a month in communications and then uh, I was doing some player engagement and folding towels in the equipment room. So uh, it, it took me a while to uh, to get my footing, but uh, it all worked out. So I'm, I'm not saying it's the right path, but again, there's a, it, it does show you there's a lot of different ways that you can get there and and I do think it helps, that when you've seen how other departments work, because when you're a GM, you're not just scouting players. That, that's obviously an important piece, but you're leading, you're managing. Um, a lot of things you're doing budget-wise, whether it's your football ops budget or, or obviously your salary cap is the most important budget that, that you're overseeing. So uh, I do think the, the variety that you're talking about Brad Holmes came from and Terry Fontenot and, and those guys, I do think that helps when you get in this seat.
4: All right, but, Brandon, we can't thank you enough. And there will be a special uh, bucket coming to Scobes. Since you're disciplined, <laughs> we're going to test him right now. Jim and I are <laughs> going to put all kinds of sweets and munchies in there. let see if else. <laughs> 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 oh, hey, Brandon,
2: that.
4: thanks so much for joining us. Go find some players. <laughs> all right, guys, appreciate you all.
3: Steve, look, there was a lot of things there that 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 um, Brandon Bean gave us to chew on. But the one thing I'll go back to is the thing we started on, and that's the proposal to address the lack of diversity hires in the NFL at the head coaching position. And look, I, I have my suspicions or my my doubts about whether or not this proposal would really change anything. But I agree with Brandon Bean on this point. Nothing to this point has worked. So why not try something different? you know, at least give it an opportunity. So from that standpoint, I'm with him, um, but I still believe that most teams, most GMs kind of have their mind made up before the process even begins of who they want to hire. And how do you get past that? I don't know. But if this will slow down the process and maybe help expand the field and, and open people's minds a little bit, I'm all for it.
4: Yeah, Jim, and even if you slow it down, even if they got their mind made up on the head guy, the fact that they can take some downtime, let's, let's say you hire a new GM, and he's got five weeks to study. He can at least maybe bring in some people who could be a, a coordinator down the line. You know, you interview them, but just open up, again, some opportunities for people to see and to hear some voices. Again, the Brad Holmes example, we heard Brandon talk about it Um you know we had Brad on talking about it they didn't know who he was until somebody with the team was like i remember this guy from an archived interview we might want to check him out and boom he becomes the general manager of the Detroit Lions so i'm with you 100% this is not the first time this issue has been raised to try to slow down the process we'll see if if things continue to change because Jim as we know the league has has changed just about everything except for the minds of owners uh which you know who do the hiring here
3: Absolutely, because it's always funny when people, you know, they'll interview us and and they'll ask me, you know, um, what can the league do to improve this? And I always come back and tell them the league has done just about everything it can do. It is not a league issue. It is an ownership issue. Owners make the hires when it comes to head coaches and general managers. So let's put the focus where the focus needs to be, and that's on ownership and not the league. Um And I've said this a thousand times, I'll say it again, the fact that the league went so far as to try and bribe teams to hire black people as head coaches or GMs, man, you talk about, you know, overstepping your bounds and something that was insulting to to many of these potential candidates. Um, But that shows the desperation that the league office had in terms of trying to address this issue and level this playing field. So again, let's keep the focus where it belongs and that's on ownership and that's not on the league office or anyone else. 100%
4: 100% and props to the Buffalo Bills for, again, addressing this issue. Brandon Bean saw Brian Dayball and Leslie Frazier, two gentlemen who were kind of on short list to become head coaches, in his opinion, lose out on the process because their team advanced to the playoffs. And again, he also mentioned Todd Bowles and and, and some of those other coaches, Eric Biannimi. Who also had opportunities. Again, props to the Bills for at least pushing this issue and keeping it out to the forefront. And good luck to Brandon Bean on the weight loss challenge with his (laughs) partner there. The monster mix is on the way. All right, Jim, we're getting ready to button this thing up right here. Another awesome episode of the Huddle Flow podcast brought to you by Intuit, proud makers of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint. Jim, why don't you get us out of here?
3: Yeah, once again, we want to thank you all for subscribing. We want to thank you for listening, and please continue to leave us messages in terms of who you want to hear from, what you want to hear about, and that way we can continue to give you more of what you're funkin' for.
4: And speaking of continuing to give you more, next week, you heard from him a little bit earlier this week, but we're going to have unplugged Jameis Winston next week. Is he going to be the air to Drew Brees. And we also have the Hall of Famer Warren Moon joining us. So, again, we continue to bring it here on the Huddle and Flow podcast. So, for my dudes, Jim Trotter and our producer, Thomas Warren, we are the H U Mob and we are out. Ooh.